0: Well, last last time that Eric was away, and I miss Eric, tell tell him we miss him. (laughs) Last time he was away, I spoke to you in the morning hour about the idea of doing anything or actually doing everything to the glory of God. You may remember that, it was recently. And you may recall that we discussed what that might mean even in the mundane things of life like eating and drinking because... The exhortation from the Apostle Paul is whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. So we talked about that being the ultimate purpose of humanity and that being each of our individual ultimate purposes. We discussed that some. And you may recall in the context of that discussion, we noted Paul's invocation of the idea of conscience and guilt from 1 Corinthians chapter 10. Remember he talked about conscience and guilt in the in the context of food that had been sacrificed to idols, but it was in the bargain bin, and it was just too good to pass up. But here's a brother that says, do you know what you're eating? He, he, he talked about conscience and guilt in that context. And I want to return to that idea this morning and... I want for us to ask ourselves a question. What is conscience? What is conscience? If you grew up like I did, some of you probably did, you may have looked forward to the funny papers. In the home I grew up in, we got the Shreveport Times every day And when I got home from school every day, I looked forward to the funny papers. Some were quaint and cute, like Peanuts and Hagar the Horrible. Some were ironic or satirical, like B.C. or Blondie or Beetle Bailey. Any of you even know what I'm talking about? Some were serialized, like Steve Canyon. And I really looked forward to the Sunday newspaper because there was always a color insert, a real funny paper or comic section. And Sunday, on Sunday afternoons after church, my parents shared the big weekend paper. And then when they turned in for a Sunday afternoon nap, they'd toss that funny paper out in the hall for the kids. And as a boy, I looked forward to that every weekend funny papers. And then the funny papers became the paper that your birthday present might come wrapped in. Uh, There was, if you've seen the funny papers, there was a common technique used by comic strip artists to invoke the idea of conscience. Do you remember it? Some of you will remember it. What was it? There you go. Yeah, that's the one I was thinking about. When the comic character faced some sort of a dilemma of conscience, the comic artist would illustrate that with a little comic angel on one shoulder and a little comic devil on the other shoulder. And they'd be whispering in his ear. You seen that? A little red comic devil with a little pitchfork. And a pointy tail. And a little winged angel on the other shoulder. And the little devil was supposed to represent temptation. And the little angel was supposed to represent conscience. And the little devil was whispering, Do it! Do it! About some evil thing. And the little angel was whispering, Don't do that. Don't do that. Or the little devil devil was whispering don't do it about some good thing and the little angel was whispering do it but that was was the idea well listen doesn't that resonate with all of us doesn't it because we've all experienced mental conflicts about what to do or what not to do we've all had the experience of what seemed like little voices in our head Arguing. I'm not talking about craziness. I'm talking about the common experience of humanity. What do I do? Or what do I not do? Kinda of like tell the truth and get in trouble? Or lie and skate. What you gonna do? What you gonna do? What you gonna do? You know lying's wrong. Yeah, but big trouble if I tell the truth caught ah, a lie is an abomination to the Lord and a very present help in time of trouble Right? what's the right thing to do what's the wrong thing to do if a lie if a lie it keeps me from getting in trouble was it right was it wrong could it be right sometimes and wrong other times could it be right for you but wrong for me? Well, all of us have experienced these type of things, haven't we? I mean, it's common. Dilemmas of conscience or even crises of conscience. And I believe that conscience is something that we have as a result of the imago Dei. And you've heard that word before. That's Latin for the image of God. The imago Day. We have conscience as a result of us, human beings, being created in the image of God. As such, to be a human is to have a conscience. Or more specifically, to have the capacity for a conscience. It's a human capacity. And when I say that the possession of the conscience is a human capacity, those words are chosen carefully. Because just like some other human capacities, say the capacity of reasoning or speech, not every human achieves the capacity of conscience. Do you, do you understand what I'm saying? A baby can die in infancy having never spoken a word or never faced a dilemma of conscious, conscience, but she was still a little human. Right? Wesley Reed. Jeannie sees patients all the time who, because of a stroke or a head injury or dementia, have lost the moral judgment that they once had. I mean, they may not be out committing grotesque sin, but they can't tell... uh, They can hide their own Easter eggs. So, conscience is a human capacity, even though not all humans are in possession of an active and working conscience. But listen, because we're Christians, brothers and sisters, it should not surprise us at all that we have a conscience. I mentioned the Imago day earlier. And you know the teaching of Holy Scripture concerning the origin of humanity. male and female created He them. And God blessed them and said unto them, Be fruitful and multiply and replenish the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea and the fowl of the air and every other living thing that moveth upon the earth. And God said, Behold, I have given you every herb bearing seed which is upon the face of all the earth and every tree in which is the fruit of a tree yielding seed. It shall be to you for food, and to every beast of the earth, and every fowl of the earth, to everything that creepeth upon the earth, wherein is life, I have given every green herb for food. And it was uh, Genesis 1, verses 26 through 30. Listen, the cat was not created in the image of the Almighty. The dog was not created in the image of the Almighty. Neither were horses or cattle or fish or birds. But according to Holy Scripture, the first man was. According to Holy Scripture, the first woman was. The image of the Almighty. So, conscience is inherent in humanity. Conscience is not the result of the fall. Conscience is the result of the image of God in humanity. And a damaged conscience is the result of the fall. The fall affecting the totality of the human person. Our bodies, our minds, our psychology, our consciences. But conscience is not the result of the fall. It's a pre-fall thing. And listen, the teaching of Holy Scripture is obvious. We are made in the image of God and our God is a moral God. He makes moral judgments. So the conscience is like this divine spotlight shining moral judgment back upon us, on our thoughts, on our actions. And since since the conscience... The human conscience is a result of the image of God in men, in man, I don't believe that we'll lose it in glory. I mean, listen, since Jesus was fully man and fully God, and that's what holy scripture teaches, fully human and Jesus of Nazareth had a conscience. I should say Jesus of Nazareth has a conscience. Jesus' conscience, listened. his conscience is different than ours because he has never sinned against it. And his conscience is perfectly in tune with the will of God. Now, something interesting, maybe even surprising, is that we care intensely about the verdicts Of our own conscience. Do you? I submit to you that you do. We care intensely about the verdicts of our own conscience. We just do. Listen, people have committed suicide, killed themselves because of secret, hidden guilt. You've heard about this, you know this. There have been murders, cold cases. Solved overnight when a suicide note is found and taken to the police and the guy says I, I killed this person four years ago and it, I it happens fairly commonly why does that happen? you remember Edgar Allan Poe's wonderful or horrible short story The Telltale Heart? I read that in high school. Do you remember that? Ba bum, ba bum, The murderer hears the heart beating and beating and beating. The police don't. Finally, in a fit of passion, the murderer rips up the floorboard, and you see the murdered, the deceased. Was the narrator insane, experiencing auditory hallucinations? or crazed and driven to the brink by a fit of conscience that manifested somehow in his psyche as a beating heart? I don't know, but I know that the human conscience is incredibly an incredibly powerful force in humanity. Well why do we care? Think about it, why do we care what our consciences tell us? Uh, I mean if you heard that a judge decided to hear his own case what would you think? Well, I would think he's c- corrupt. Shit, yeah, yeah, I bet you're going to hear your own case. Or I would think that's just absurd, right? That I volunteer. I'm, I'm on the circuit court. I'll hear my own case. I mean can you imagine here he is in his robe on the bench hearing testimony. Well, now, now he's down on the witness stand offering a defense. Now he's back up on the bench. He's I find this guy not guilty. But it's crazy, right? Why, why would you care? You'd think, that's a joke. And yet, I submit to you, you and I judge ourselves every day. And it doesn't feel like a joke, does it? It doesn't. It feels as serious as a heart attack. And I think that's mysterious, but that's the way that God made us with this conscious, uh, conscience that inheres within humanity. The Bible teaches quite clearly that all humans have intuitive knowledge that God exists and that He is absolutely powerful. Now, the Bible also teaches that if they appear to not have that knowledge... Because someone will say, well, you say they all have that knowledge, but this guy said he doesn't. So somebody's wrong. The Scripture also teaches that if they deny having that knowledge, it is because they have suppressed it. Please turn to St. Paul's epistles to the, uh, to the Romans, chapter 1. Romans chapter 1. You're probably very familiar with this passage of Scripture. I'm reading from the English Standard Version. And the Bible says, verse 18, For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men, who by their unrighteousness suppress the truth. For what can be known about God is plain to them. "...because God has shown it to them. For His invisible attributes, namely His eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world in the things that have been made. So they are without excuse. For although they knew God, they did not honor Him as God or give thanks to Him, but became futile in their thinking." And their foolish hearts were darkened. Claiming to be wise, they became fools and exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images resembling mortal man and birds and animals and creeping things. Romans 1:18 through23, and there's more. but I know you're familiar with this passage of Scripture, but it teaches that there is a knowledge of God at a certain level that's universal. It's universal. Look over to chapter 2, Romans chapter 2, down to verse 14. Paul writes, "...when Gentiles who do not have the law, by nature do what the law requires, they are a law to themselves, even though they did not have the law. They show that the work of the law is written on their hearts, while their conscience also bears witness." and their conflicting thoughts accuse or even excuse them on that day when, according to my gospel, God judges the secrets of men by Christ Jesus. Romans 2, 14 through 16. Well, obviously I'm cherry-picking scriptures because I'm not doing an exposition of Romans, but you, you see the idea here. When we read those two scriptures together, there's a strong sense... That what's going on in our conscience is a secret. And there is, in humanity at large, a sense of impending judgment. People seem to know, or fear, or suspect. There's an innate knowledge that all secrets will eventually come to light. And we're all accountants. We're all going to have to give an account. Someday, for what we've done. It's just universal. You will answer. And people feel it. So people's consciences are serious business. The judge is in our heads. The judge is in our heads. And though that might seem absurd, it's deadly serious. And, And really, listen, people die because of their consciences. And for Christians, for us, the conscience is a divine gift. you understand? It's not something that came from mama. Not something that came from daddy. It's something from God. It's a divine gift. And beloved, when God gives a gift, it's good. God is good. He's the very definition of good. And his gifts are good. So the conscience generally is good. Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above. And cometh down from the Father of lights with whom is no variableness, not even a shadow of turning. James 1.17 So listen, is your sense of touch a good thing? Uh, it is. With our touch we detect that the stove is hot. Right? So we pull our hand back and we avoid being burned. And when our consciences are working well, listen, guilt is produced. The conscience is a guilt producer. And guilt is produced. And if we're wise, we pull back and we're not burned. We can remove our hand from the fire. We can change our direction and not drive off the cliff if we're wise. So like our sense of touch, our conscience is a gift from God for our good. Blessed is the one who does not judge himself by what he approves. Romans 14, 22. That's the net Bible translation. I've talked to you before about how In the Beatitudes, when Jesus says, Blessed are the peacemakers, blessed are the merciful, blessed are they that hunger and thirst after righteousness, that word translated blessed is makarios, and it can rightly be translated either blessed or happy. And some translations translate it as happy. And that is exactly the same word that I just read to you there. From Romans 14, Blessed is the one who does not judge himself by what he approves. The New American Standard Bible translates that. Happy is he that does not condemn himself in what he approves. So do you understand? If you go against your conscience, that is a recipe for psychological disaster. It's a recipe for psychological disaster. If you, if you violate your conscience, you will not be blessed. If you breach your conscience, you won't be happy. You'll be unhappy. Now, you might have wanted to do it, and so you did it right then, but it's going to torture you. It's going to be like that tell hell heart. It's still bothering me. I wish I hadn't done it. Anybody? Does this resonate with anybody? We all have consciences, friends. But obeying a right-functioning conscience yields happiness, blessedness, joy. The human conscience is about right and wrong. It's like James. If you read, if you read the epistle of James, he's black and white. It's disturbing sometimes to read James. Eric calls him black and white James. No gray. With James, consciences don't do very well with gray. They have a hard time with gray. It's more like an on-off switch than a dimmer. And with our rational minds, we think, "Well, it's complicated," and it it is sometimes. It's very complicated, and we think and we rationalize. But our conscience—that's not—that's not not what the conscience does. The conscience is much more concrete. And it either accuses or excuses. You may have to negotiate with your conscience sometimes. And that's, brothers and sisters, listen, that, Christians, is why it's important for Christians to train their consciences so that we can have a good conscience. And in that, in that phraseology, good has a two-fold meaning. A good conscience is a conscience that hasn't been violated, but a good conscience is also a conscience that has been trained in the good ways of God so that it provides good guidance, sound guidance... Lord willing, I want to discuss conscience some more with you. Specifically, things like the exclusivity of conscience. How yours is yours and mine is mine. And how I believe it is possible that something could violate your conscience and not violate mine, and we could both be right. Our responsibility to train our own consciences. And how we should... Regard matters of conscience, especially when we disagree with someone else's conscience. When somebody says, that's wrong, and you say, that's not wrong. How far should you pursue that? If it's questionable for them, it doesn't bother you at all, and you're convinced you're right, and they're convinced they're right, how far should you, something we'll talk about. So I want to discuss conscience some more soon, but Before we close this morning, do you have anything to share? Because you've all got consciences. Crime and Punishment is another good one with the Telltale Harvest. Oh, yeah. Raskalnikov? Raskalnikov. Who wrote that? It was Dostoevsky. Yeah. You read that and you just, yeah, he's pretty pretty accurate and just like showing you, you know, you can do your best to rationalize, you know, this is, oh, well, it's going to be for good, and it also was a commentary on, like, the communist godless nature, but right. it doesn't matter, your, your conscience is there, because he doesn't say you're made in the image, but you're made in the image, and therefore, right. it's, it's like a, it's a schizophrenic book, yeah. it's great, I love it, um, but yeah, it's a great example, just like that. Dostoevsky is like the master of internal yes. dialogue, yes. just I think, if you've read, I'm a Dostoevsky fan, but that's why his writings are so human. I mean, everybody could relate to them. The freedom of the conscience has been um, something that Baptists have fought for, for since Baptists have existed. You can't force us to have a certain conscience. Right. And we're not going to go against our own consciences. It's neither wise nor... Yeah. I'm, trying, I'm trying to remember the exact phraseology, but yes. And for us, in our thinking, we that of course, we have freedom of conscience, but that's not how other groups believe. Right. Lord willing in either afternoon services or um, I, I want to pursue this a little bit more but I was sort of introductory. we all got one. Well, let's have a word of prayer and some fellowship. Father, we thank you for your great grace. We thank you for bringing us together this day. Father, I pray that through the study of Holy Scripture, through the hearing of the Gospels, and um, through interaction with brothers and sisters, that our consciences might be strengthened, educated, built up in the most holy faith so that they would be good consciences. We thank You for Your people. We thank You for making us part of that number. We pray to You this day in Jesus' name. Amen.